Hi, this is Sandra Flake from She's Not Cooking, and you're listening to the Eat Blog Talk podcast. Food bloggers, welcome to Eat Blog Talk. I'm your host, Megan Porta, and today we're going to dig into Google Web Stories with Sandra from She's Not Cooking. I'm so excited to have her here today. Sandra is a self-taught cook who exited a 25-year retail management career to to pursue her goal of becoming a full-time food blogger. Her food blog journey began in May 2020. In July 2021, she reached one of her goals to be accepted into the Mediavine ad network. In her business, Sandra uses positive mindset to overcome obstacles and achieve both her business goals and personal satisfaction. And she has been absolutely crushing the Google Web Stories. So we have a lot to learn from Sandra today. Hi, Sandra. Thank you so much for joining us in this episode today. Hi, Megan. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, so excited for this chat. But before we get started, you know what we want from you. We want your fun fact. Well, my fun fact is that I started a blog in 2010 On WordPress.com, I had a colleague who had started a travel blog. He was traveling the world, and I got as far as the title, and I was a bit overwhelmed. And so here I am 11 years later. Oh, so what was the title? What title did you land on? Oh, I... I, I only was. I think I only put my name in my. From what I remember, um, and it was WordPress.com, and that was as far as I got. Oh well, fast forward a lot of years, and you have found some quick success. So I am excited to chat with you. Great fun fact. Um, okay, so Google Web Stories. I feel like there are so many avenues we could discuss today because I love your positive mindset and how you use that to overcome obstacles. We've chatted a little bit about that outside of this interview and just like um, manifesting good things and welcoming good things and all of that. But today we're going to focus on Google Web Stories. And I feel like you need to come back very soon to talk about the other side of it because we could have a great discussion about that. Um, But we would love to hear just how you got into Google Web Stories. So you've recently started blogging. This is not like a long journey. This is a pretty quick journey for you. What made you say, hmm, I need to dig into this avenue to grow my blog. And can you just kind of talk us through how that went? Sure. So I first heard about Google Web Stories, I believe it was last November 2020. And at the time, I'd only been blogging for five or six months. And it just seemed like another program to have to learn. And it was uh, Casey Marquis on one of the podcasts I was listening to. And I've since learned to listen to everything that Casey says. And I've learned that lesson. And um, didn't start right away. But I had established my Pinterest profile and had, you know, had my Facebook page up and running and was starting to understand SEO a little bit better but just wasn't seeing the lift of traffic that I wanted. And I heard in one of, the, one of the Facebook groups that all the bloggers are in, someone was talking about viral traffic on web stories and it piqued my interest. And I was a little bit down because my traffic had dropped, I think around the same time where everyone experienced that decline in Pinterest traffic. And I was looking for another way to bring in some traffic 
And I listened to uh, Lauren Runyon on her podcast. And Nicolette uh, was on there from Home Cooked Roots. And she was talking about her success and how she had got into Mediavine in a year and how, you know, web stories had really helped her. And that day I went on and Nicolette had a resource on her website. So I went on, checked out the resource, and I made my first web story that day. And there were crickets. And then I made a second one. And there were crickets. And I think that I made, I checked my numbers this morning, I think I made eight or nine web stories and nothing happened with the first group. And I really felt, you know, I was wondering if I was doing something wrong. What was I missing? You know, I went back and checked everything and everything looked fine. And then I made another one and it took off. So when you start making them, it does seem to just, it's, it can be random, but don't give up if you make a few and they don't click right mm. away. That is a very important lesson to share. I'm so glad you said that because I see in the forums and all over people are like, well, I've done like five and nothing has happened. So you're saying, Sandra, just keep at it, keep going, because eventually something has got to take off. Absolutely. I made my first one at the end of April and I started to see some traffic in May. June, uh, I, th I had 57,000 uh, in June, um, from web stories. So, and prior to that, you know, I think my traffic was around sitting around 25 or 30,000. I was really wanted to hit that goal of getting into media mine in my one year mark. And, you know, I had missed it, which was fine, but I was just so motivated to hit that goal. And in July, I, I only had 150 posts at the time. So I think it's different if for someone that's sitting on four or 500 blog posts, it's a little different than if you have 150, because once I made all my web stories, then I had no other content. But if you're sitting on hundreds, you've got loads of content to recycle. Absolutely. So with, um, for someone who's sitting on a lot of content, I'm not sure if you want me to get into talking about Google trends now, Megan, this is perfect. Yes. So why don't you talk about how you find your content? Okay. So my first surprise was I go in, I actually go into Google Trends every day and I look at what's trending for the last seven days, the last 30 days. And it was in May that an apple crisp recipe was trending, which kind of surprised me because I always think of apple crisps in the fall. And I made a web story for, an, for my apple crisp recipe, which I hadn't made it. I was saving that one for the fall because I really felt it was, you know, May and didn't make any sense. And that recipe took off. I think I had about a thousand views on it, which I think it's all relative, right? If depending on what your monthly page views on, that was a lot for me to have over 900. So I use Google Trends every single day uh, for determining which web stories I'm going to post. If I, have, if I haven't posted that recipe yet as a web story, then I try to post it when it's trending and seasonal content definitely does better. How often does that change? So if you go into Google Trends and look for like a seven day range and then you go, like let's say you go in the morning and then you go in the evening, is it different? 
it, you can search it by day, you can search it by hour, by the last four hours. So there's, there's two things. One, if you publish a web story, sometimes, well, sometimes it doesn't click at all, but sometimes it will get posted uh, in the Discover feed 24 to 48 hours later. So what I've noticed is, and I've seen other people comment, that the weekends, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, can be a little bit busier. So if I was going in the, into the weekend, I would look at Friday night and I would search, uh, you could, if like, let's say you do a lot of cocktail recipes, you could search up cocktail recipe and then you'll see what's been trending specifically. I noticed that one predominantly, it's always trending on the weekend. So if something's trending, then you can take that cocktail recipe and you can just enter that specifically then you'll get a list of which cocktail recipes so for someone that has a large number of posts that's how i go in and determine which it, for seasonal content what i'm going to post okay so if you look at cocktail recipes and mai tai comes up and you happen to have a mai tai post on your blog quickly go do that web story do you do it like right away Kick it out right away? Okay. I do. Sometimes they catch and they do really well. So I think the best example of this was peach recipes in August. So I had um, a peach cobbler recipe that had a few thousand views. And I actually created content purposely because of that web story doing well. And I ended up making a peach crisp and a peach cobbler pound cake. And some of them I put on three times with three different titles. And at times, all three of them were being shown at the same time. Ah, that's so, so cool. The, okay, cool. It, it is pretty cool. My husband just kept walking in the door with more peaches. It was kind of <laughs> funny. So when you're searching for your title, you can also find keywords in there, which I've, I noticed that in August, but I've really started to drill down on that. So if I was posting an apple crisp recipe this weekend, and I search that in the trend search, it might, it will tell you specifically what people are calling it. So it might be best apple crisp recipe or apple crisp recipe without oats. And ideally, you want your title to not be a duplicate of your post title. And I did do that at the start. When I started making them, I would just call it the same title. So you could go apple crisp recipe, uh, easy apple crisp recipe. So you can you need to change up your images a little and change up your text. But otherwise, I duplicate the one that I've already created, change a few things up, and I republish it. So I was in a clubhouse room the other day and we were talking about this. I'm actually planning to publish that chat because it was super awesome too. Um, And we're covering a little bit different stuff here. So I think it'll round out this topic well. But one of the things somebody said was to um, the same thing. So don't duplicate your title. So your story title. And what they were doing was just saying like peach crisp instead of peach crisp recipe they were saying peach crisp story does that kind of align with what you're doing absolutely as long as you're changing the title when you change the title it usually the plugin will typically change the url 
you need to double check that before you publish. Some once in a while it doesn't, so but you just go in and you can overwrite that URL. And so in terms of productivity, I can go in and create a duplicate um, web story in about 15 minutes. Nice. That's nothing. That's no mm-hmm. time at all. No. And, you know, I think you have to take into account if you make 160, maybe 20 or 30 of them will do nothing. Maybe 10 of them will be okay. But then on the ones that do take off, and I think especially with seasonal content where you can create more of that content or if you have more of that content, absolutely. It, it can be very, um, you know, for someone that's working towards a goal, like to get into a na- network or someone that's just trying to drive additional revenue. Yeah, for sure. This is a great strategy. And I keep saying this too. I don't know how long this is going to last because I feel like we get those waves of like blessing from different platforms, right? Throughout our journey. Um, but it's here now. So I say, take full advantage of it. People are seeing success, you included. Um, and even if it does go away in the future, who cares? We're going to take advantage now and learn how to best utilize it. So seeing what those trends are, what is seasonal, go on to Google Trends. Google Trends is a great resource. Uh, what about Pinterest trends? Actually, that's a very good point. I also look at Pinterest trends every day. So some of the Pinterest trends are a little bit different than what comes up on Google Trends. But definitely you will find some, I call them nuggets in uh, in Pinterest as well. Okay. So do you ever find that a trend aligns across Pinterest and Google platforms? Or are they completely giving you unique suggestions? They do, but with Pinterest, it may be more of um, fall apple recipes. It's more of a broad trend, whereas on Google Trends, you're going to get a very specific, like, for example, meatloaf recipe was trending this past week. So if somebody had a meatloaf recipe and they didn't put a web story on, then you potentially miss that traffic. So they do definitely align, but more in a broader sense on Pinterest. Okay. That's a great strategy. So you talked about having a template that you create to kind of boost your productivity and make it more streamlined. Is there anything else you do to make it more streamlined? Well, I think you can use the pre-made templates and I use static images only. And the one thing I'm doing now is when I'm photographing for the actual blog post, I take a few extra photos so that I have extra photos and I edit them right when I'm editing the blog post so that now I'm planning ahead for potentially making two or three web stories for especially for a seasonal recipe and the template is one that you can use their pre-made template I made my own template I used made a background image in Canva and then I used the cover page from Canva and you need a round logo. So those three things I created in Canva. And I've used, I've tried one or two other templates. And honestly, my web stories are not the prettiest ones I've seen, but they work. And I duplicate. So there's three little dots when you go into your web story and you click on that and hit duplicate. And that's it. I mean, that takes, you know, maybe your first web story can take a couple of hours to make because you're learning how to use the plugin. But once you've made five or six of them, they're pretty quick. Those are great tips. So can you talk to us about how you found out how to like set it up with Google Analytics so that you could track 
what data was coming through your web stories. I know that's kind of a hang up I've heard in the clubhouse rooms. People are like, well, I don't know how to do that. Is there a good way to just instruct people where to go for that? Yeah. And I can, I can probably give you the links that I used. So I created a separate profile for web stories. So oh, it's a property. Sorry, I was looking for that word. I created a separate property for web stories. So when you create that property, and you'll see it at the top of your analytics, you can select which property you're looking at. When you look at web stories, you're not seeing the actual through traffic that's coming to your blog. You're seeing who's clicking on web stories. You can go into, there's a tab called events. You can see specifically which page of the story that they're looking at and when they click through. So if you put a link on the page, I put a link on every recipe on every page, by the way, so that they can anytime link through to the blog post. And that will tell you how many views you're getting a month on the web stories. The second part is to set up a filter in your regular analytics account and I titled mine all all posts excluding web stories and that shows me the actual click through that's coming to my site. Are there instructional videos or anything that can help people along with this because I know it's kind of hard to like hear someone talk through it as opposed to looking at something. Definitely, definitely. I can send you the links. I went on YouTube and I found one link that worked really well for me and I followed that. Mediavine also has good information about setting up a separate property and AdThrive as well has had a really good article. So that I can send you those links if you want to attach those to the show notes, Megan. Yeah, that's perfect. And I think there's probably a lot of information about this out there. So even if you don't go to the show notes, you can probably just Google, uh, set up a separate property in Google Analytics or something along those lines. Well, I, I think what's really important is that if you don't set up a separate property with the filter, those two things, one, the, the property will show you specifically which web stories are getting clicked so that you know what you're doing is working. Otherwise, you don't know where that traffic is coming from. It'll show up as direct, but it could be from anywhere. Right. Yeah, it's really important that you do that because otherwise you're like, well, my traffic's up, but I'm not sure why. (laughs) Right. And it can artificially inflate your traffic as well if you don't create that filter. So that is a great thing to get on so that you know you're in the loop as far as where your traffic is coming from. And we can put all of that in the show notes like we mentioned We're going to take just a really quick break and you can hear a few words from our sponsor, which is actually Eat Blog Talk. So we'll be back in just a minute. Hey, food bloggers. Do you ever get caught up in the confusion about how in the world you are going to make money? Take the free quiz I've put together for you that is going to help you get to the bottom of this problem. Go to eatblogtalk.com forward slash quiz to find out which stream of revenue is the next perfect one for you. Your results will be personalized based on your answers, and they will provide you with action steps and resources that will help you launch into monetizing your blogging business in a new way. 
There are truly so many ways to make money as a food blogger, so don't waste another second. Again, go to eblogtalk.com forward slash quiz and get started on your next revenue stream today. Hey guys, just reminding you to head over to iTunes if you haven't already to subscribe, rate, and review Eat Blog Talk. It adds value to this podcast when you do that, and I would be so grateful for your time. It will take two minutes, press pause, go do it, and come back and keep listening. Okay, Sandra, we are back, and we are continuing our discussion about web stories. Is there anything else as far as just logistics with creating the web stories, getting them set up before we move on to our next? I was going to ask you about like idea pins within Pinterest. It's kind of along the same lines. But first, I just want to make sure we've covered all of the logistics. I think so. I think, uh, you know, you're selecting the the images will automatically load that you have uploaded for your posts. So it's very practical. You can use the same images that you use in your blog post, or you can add different images. So everything is right there. It's quick and easy. And I think I think that's pretty much it. One quick thing. Do you ever use video? I know you said you use static images a lot. Is that all you use? It is all I've used. So it's part of my plan for 2022 to venture into video, but so far I haven't done any video. So all I use is static images with text, and I've experimented with some of the animation features in there, and I didn't find that it made a difference and it took more time. So I just have very plain, simple web stories. Mm, I love hearing that. I love simple. I I am such a proponent for simple is best. <laughs> and well, the animations do look kind of fun sometimes, but yeah, they're going to take more time to learn and to get them all set up looking nice. So I feel like start simple and see what works with just kind of the bare minimum. Okay. So Pinterest idea pins, these are different, obviously different platform, but kind of the same um, concept, right? So they're very similar. So can you talk to us about that? I know you've kind of been dabbling in using idea pins. So talk us through that. Absolutely. So idea pins are pretty much the same concept as the story pin, uh, which they used to call story pin. And I've created one for every blog post. So when I create a new post, I make an idea pin and they They've really driven my followers up, and it's driving traffic to my home page. So even though they can't click through to the link to the post, I put a just a quick actionable, uh, you know, follow me on Pinterest for more great recipes and click on my profile. And you can go into analytics and Pinterest and see that they're actually looking and what, that you're creating those followers. So I've been really happy with idea pins. I know a lot of people have been frustrated with Pinterest, but my it's grown my followers from 1,500 to 5,500 in the last couple of months. Okay, so you have an end card and you just say you prompt people to follow you on Pinterest, right? You, do you direct them to your um, your website? I've experimented with a lot of different things. I've had the actual URL typed into an image. So it's burned in the image and then I've uploaded that. I've had it in the ingredients list. So I haven't received a definitive answer about this from Pinterest, but I've heard that you're not supposed to have the URL typed in there. 
And I recently had one featured on the Today tab, and the URL was removed from the pin or from the idea pin. Yeah, I've heard different things said about that too. And I feel like it just evolves over time. It's like this constant evolution, like, oh, now we're supposed to do this, or now you're not supposed to do this. So it's like just literally keeping up from week to week as far as like what's being removed and what's being allowed. Um, so that's what works for you. And I know some people like Kate all from Simple Pin Media recommends just, I think she says like in the description, just say, go to my website and search egg salad sandwich if you're interested in this recipe or something along those lines. Definitely. And I've experimented with, you know, 10 different versions. Like I'm looking at a store, an idea pin right now, and I've directed them to the website. So I think I've never been, um, (laughs) disciplined isn't the right word, but I haven't had my account suspended for it or anything. And then I just write for more great recipes, click on my profile pic and follow me on Pinterest. Now at the end, when your idea pin shows up, it does show like I see here, Sandra, she's not cooking. And it does show my profile pic there that they can, it automatically does that on every idea pin. So that takes them right to your main page of Pinterest and your, you know, I see my uh, URL is right there. And I believe that's what people are doing. They're clicking through and then they click through to the post. And I've also noticed when I look at Google search console and what recipes, you know, what the search query is, I can see, I have a couple that have done really well and I can tell people are going and typing into Google to find the recipe there as well. Oh, so that's how I feel that I'm positive that story pins are working and generating traffic. Oh, I love hearing that (laughs) because it is like something that we're just like, really, is this working? I'm so frustrated. I don't know. But so I love hearing when people kind of dig into it a little bit and find that, yeah, they probably are working behind the scenes. Um, So thank you for sharing that. You gave us all a little hope, Sandra. (laughs) (laughs) Um. So Pinterest story pin or idea pin, sorry, I keep calling them their old version, which was story pins, but I do that too. Um, the idea pins are kind of the same where you can add either static images or video. And I think we've dabbled on my food blog a little bit with both, but mostly do static pins. So I just think it's interesting to scroll through and see like what is working, what which ones take off, like some take off that I just do not anticipate being popular at all. Do you find this too? And then some do nothing. And I'm like, wait a second, it's apples, apple jam. Come on, people. Do you find that? You're like, what? That one was popular? Uh, Absolutely. And I think this is very similar to web stories in that the season, the seasonality, right? So when it's depending on what your niche is, the time of year where something is in season over another time makes a huge difference. And, you know, I thought it was interesting when I I was quite excited to have something featured on that today tab. That was the first. And when I looked at, you know, is it really generating enough traffic, you know, and you can see that you get profile visits. And so I think that they're worth the time. And I think most of us are not seeing a lot of, clicks generated from static pins. I mean, I still make a few. I don't know about you, Megan. I make a couple for each for each pin. But definitely, and they're they're so connected. So 
For productivity, what I do is I publish the blog post. I immediately publish a web story because it's fresh in my mind. I've just read through the instructions. And then I usually create the story pin or idea pin, sorry. We keep calling it story pin. That's funny. It's like once something is set in your brain, it just kind of sticks there. It's so hard for me to call it idea pin for some reason. Sorry to interrupt. So that's kind of your process. Is there anything else you wanted to add? I think that the idea pins from my profile do much better on the weekend, Saturday, Sunday. And similar to web stories, I've also created duplicate story pins and received traffic from that. Quite a bit of traffic from the second. Not everyone takes the time to kind of figure that sort of thing out, right? Like we'll just put things out into the ether and just like, well, I hope you do well. Good luck. And then we don't touch base or follow up. So I love it that you're like, oh, wait, okay, I noticed that idea pins are doing better on the weekend. That is such a cool thing. And then also you mentioned earlier when we were talking about web stories, like the cocktails and weekend, like just thinking through some of that, like people are making cocktails on Friday nights and, you know, just having these little nuggets in our minds can help us to think through what we're putting out there. Oh, absolutely. And I think with the, with the web stories, if I didn't have Google Trends, I think I would be lost. I mean, it's really part of my process in terms of looking up. Um, so I start in by typing just the very basic word recipe. I make sure I'm set to United States because mine defaults to Canada. And sometimes there'll be something that you completely don't expect that will show up. And it might be trending like in a spike. And so like right now I'm looking at it, pumpkin seed recipes are trending. Oh, I just reposted one of those this week. Oh my gosh, got to get on that. Mm-hmm. So definitely the seasonality, but I've also had some luck um, with, you know, I just recently published a second web story for a pasta bake that did really well on the first one and then had another 2000 views on the second one in a week. So to me, 15 minutes of work is definitely worth that traffic, right? Oh, absolutely. And chili recipes. Megan, you have all kinds of chili recipes, right? I do. I do. That's trending. Yeah, I see that up here. I'm looking at it right now just for the last, so I just did like past four hours just out of curiosity. Chili recipe is here. Um, If you've got a grape jelly recipe. (laughs) Absolutely. And easy beef stew. Um, Really like a lot of comfort foods right now are coming up. Cabbage soup and Swedish meatball chicken noodle soup oh I do have that and crock pot chili oh my gosh okay I'm excited I want to get on this today (laughs) well so also if you're looking at google trends the way that they word it so sometimes it might be a title that you haven't thought of or that it's not part of your keyword strategy I name it exactly the same as in the search and that has really worked for me so I'm sticking with that right now So you take the query that pops up and you use that to title your web story. Definitely. So if like we can see that this morning meatloaf recipe is on that list. If you just type in the word recipe and then if you go back up to the search and type in meatloaf recipe specifically, it will bring up again, um, you know, Italian meatloaf recipe, stuffed meatloaf recipe. So then you can really get granular And I have had some luck posting where if I pick a term that's really specific, sometimes the web story will take off within a couple of hours. 
This is gold. This is so great. I I don't know about you, but I can get lost in Google Trends. I find it so fascinating. It's like this fortune teller and historical biography all at once, right? Because you get all the history, but then you get like, here's what's coming in the next little bit. It's just super fascinating to me. It is. I love I love Google Trends. We have talked about idea pins and how that is kind of the same along the same lines. You've given us so much great stuff about how to dig into Google Trends and ways to just think through web stories, create a template, make it part of your system. That's what else I was going to ask you. Let's say you create a new recipe today for crockpot chili. Let's say you post it tomorrow. Do you just automatically post your idea pin and your web story right in line with that? I'm getting a little slower on my idea idea pins on Pinterest, uh, but I would say the best practice would be to do it right away because it's so easy to do it as soon as you've done that post. And the web story, I typically do the same day. Now, I will say that, you know, since the kids went back to school, I think everyone's noticed. The sh- have you noticed the shift with the traffic? September's been a little different. Yeah. How do you, what? How is it different for you? I'm curious. Well, it's it just feels like it's slower and it feels like every, I mean, even personally, like my kids went back to school, they had been uh, remote learning for the year last year. And it's just that shift. And you just, you're not really in your normal, Oh, let me go check out for new recipes on Pinterest or, or looking things up. So it just seemed to slow down a bit. And then all of a sudden you can see it starting. People are getting into the groove and they're starting to look for, you know, the weather's a little cooler, well, at least it is here. Yes. <laughs> but and um, I think that it's going to start to really pick up in terms of the traffic. Like I just picture somebody going out on the weekend to the apple orchard, and you know they're sitting on their phone and on the Google Discover. There comes your apple recipe, and right. So it's just it's a good time. People are out. Think about what people are actually doing, and then post those recipes. I love that. Yes, thinking. In terms of like fall is here, apple season, pumpkin season, people are starting to think about Thanksgiving. I know it's a little ways out, but they're thinking about Halloween. There's so many food related things, topics, events coming up that people are thinking about now. So put yourself in their shoes and think Halloween parties. Just this morning, I was thinking, oh my gosh, I need to get costumes for our boys. They wanted to dress up this year and so people are thinking through all of that. Oh, absolutely. And that Halloween costumes were already trending on Pinterest. I noticed that the other day. So I have one more thing I just thought of, Megan, that um, for my upcoming posts of fall, and a lot of them are seasonal, but I've looked at the past five-year data as well in Google Trends and really looking at strategically dropping those web stories when they spike the most, right? Like if I look at something like pumpkin loaf, you know, for the most part, you know, we know when they start to trend up. And um, I think, you know, I'm more drilled down on that because I'm in Canada and, you know, we start thinking pumpkin, like as soon as the kids go back to school, it's pumpkins, right? We start thinking like about pumpkins right away. Whereas I noticed, right? The U.S. traffic is a little bit more geared towards U.S. Thanksgiving. So really knowing when that spike is going to happen. And so maybe you publish your first, like I'm planning out now when I publish web story one, two, and three based 
So when I make my post, I'll post it, and then I'll post another one when it's going to spike the most, and then a third one on a day, you know, on a week where I need more traffic. We kind of touched on this earlier, but we're looking backward. I love the five-year trend thing. And we're also looking like where we're standing right now and then trying to look ahead a little bit. Sometimes when I'm having conversations, I'm like, oh, what a great idea. And then I completely lose it. So write that one down, everyone. (laughs) I just see this as an opportunity to really take advantage of this new thing, this new way of getting traffic. And like we said earlier, it might not last. I don't know, but it is here. Add it into your daily routine, your weekly routine, the way that you move through your process of creating a recipe and getting your content out into the world. And it's just a no-brainer, right, Sandra? Like, get started with it. It it is. And it's exciting. Like, I have a friend who just started making web stories and she messaged me the other morning and said, you know, it's so exciting because when they do take off, you know, and I've heard some people get 20 or 30,000 views that hasn't happened to me yet. But I'm happy just to have an extra 500 some days, right? Like just to have like, I think for someone, especially when you're a new blogger, and you're, you know, I think most people have a goal of trying to get into an ad network, to have something that can generate that kind of traffic. And the other thing I noticed is my subscriber count goes way up from web stories. Like, I think, uh, I mean, it was kind of, kind of really sad. My number, I think I was at 55 or 60 signups for my email. And I'm over a thousand now that's in a couple of months. And I would say 90% of that is because of web stories. They're more engaged. They come on and they want to see your recipe and they sign up. They want to see more. Okay. You had like probably a thousand people just go, what? Because that is the goal of so many food bloggers to beef up their email list. So that is so great to hear. I'm glad you mentioned that. So they come to your page and they're actually more engaged. They're more excited to be there as opposed to like, oh, this uh, recipe on Pinterest looks really great. I'll click over and then they click off. So it's it's a different type of audience. It's completely different. I feel like it's very engaged. I feel like when I have a web story that kind of, you know, the first couple of days when it takes off, I get more comments or I'll have somebody emailing me, you know, it's in the oven now. I, I feel like it's a very... Very, very engaged group. Yes. Oh, cool. Mm -hmm. Love that. This has been so enlightening. Um, I am just so grateful that you're sharing all of your expertise with us, Sandra. And by the way, congrats on growing so fast and just tuning into what you needed to tune into and just taking note. I feel like you're just being really mindful, like taking a step back and looking around and seeing what's working, not just for you, but collectively and tapping into it. And I think that is such a smart thing to do. We all get caught up in that whirlwind of food blogging and all of the things that we don't do that enough. So thank you for just leading us in that way. I feel like this is really cool the way you've just kind of dug into this. Oh, thanks, Megan. I I really appreciate you having me on the show. And I think that the the food blogging landscape, even since I started just over a year ago, has changed so much. And, you know, I kind of describe it to my kids, like when you have a remote control car and it hits the wall and then it just 
turns around and goes the other <laughs> way. And that's kind of like what you're doing, right? You just have to find another another direction uh, for where the traffic's coming from. Oh, it's so true. You've just got to like roll with it. And those are the food bloggers who who make it, who find that success that they want, honestly. I have been doing this for a really long time and there are so many people who when they're that remote control car and they hit the wall, they just like fall over and they can't, they're like, wait, I can't take another one. But you've just got to keep rolling with it, like bounce off those walls and bounce back, find another avenue. Who knew that Google Web Stories would be such a great source of traffic for so many people? Kudos to you, Sandra. Thanks for being here. It has been a pleasure to talk with you. And before you go, we would love to hear either a favorite quote of yours or words of inspiration to share with food bloggers. Okay, I have a quote. Um, If the plan doesn't work, change the plan, but never change the goal. That is good. Who said that quote? Is that a Sandra quote? I No, I have no idea where it came from, but it, it, it resonated with me. And it's so true, right? With food blogging, you have a plan and you think you're going to get there one way and then that doesn't work and you have to change the plan. But at the end of the day, if you're focused on your goals, you'll get there. You're speaking to me with those words. I love that. I'm so aligned with that. And I'm serious. I would love to have you back to talk about... Um, just the positive mindset aspect of life, but also bringing that into business. Because I mean, I say this all the time, but that is the most important part of being a food blogger and entrepreneur. Because if you don't have that down, you can't get anywhere. I know you agree with this. 100%. Oh, I would love that. I think that actually was the game changer for me was getting my mindset right and you know when I published those first 10 web stories they didn't click because I was thinking what if they don't click (laughs) you have to just really picture oh you know Google is sending me thousands of traffic so I mean absolutely I believe that uh, that the mindset piece is important and also if anybody has questions or they want to reach out to me um, I'm more than happy to uh to answer any questions. I'm always looking for a blogging buddy. Oh, I love that. Thank you for extending that. So we will put together a show notes page for you, Sandra. So if anyone wants to go look at those, go look at those links that Sandra is going to provide for Google Analytics and getting set up with web stories. You can find that at eatblogtalk.com forward slash she's not cooking with no G on the end. So your offer was generous. So tell people how they can get a hold of you and also where they can find you on Instagram and elsewhere. Sure. So I'm on Instagram, Facebook, uh, on Pinterest under She's Not Cooking and She's Not Cooking.com is my website address. And yeah, you can hit me up on the contact page or DM me on Instagram. Well, thank you again, Sandra, for being here. And thank you so much for listening today, food bloggers. I will see you next time. We're glad you could join us on this episode of Eat Blog Talk. For more resources based on today's discussion, as well as show notes and an opportunity to be on a future episode of the show, be sure to head to eatblogtalk.com. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll be here to feed you on Eat Blog Talk.